The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. So obviously, we're looking at a passage from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia this morning. Uh, And one reason it's such a fascinating letter is because it's probably Paul's most intense and frustrated letter. Um, as As you begin reading this, he says things like, I'm astonished by you. And the attitude he's showing there is he's, he's just, he's overcome, he's incredulous. How can this be? What are, what are you guys doing? And it gets even worse as you read uh, further in the letter. Look what he says in Galatians 5.12. I don't know if you have put this verse to memory or what, but um, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, Clearly in context, he doesn't mean that literally. I feel like that needs to be said. But I'm also gonna assume that when you get to the point of writing something like this, you're pretty upset. <laughs> you're pretty upset. And so you, you have this question, what is going on in these churches that this would be the letter where Paul is the most upset? To me, it's especially interesting when you compare Galatians to like Corinthians. So if you've been here for a long time, you remember, hey, we went through Paul's letter to Corinthians not too long ago, and you'll remember there that the church in Corinth was a dumpster fire, right? I mean, imagine what you had in that church. You had uh, members suing one another. I'm taking you to court. Praise the Lord, right? Um, You had some members coming to their Lord's Supper services early to get drunk on the wine. Wow. Wow. There were scandals going on in that church where Paul says, those who never go to church are creeped out by you. This is over the top. So that's the church in Corinth. And yet in that letter, Paul is so gracious with them. I mean, he's frank. He tells them the truth. But he's gracious. He's kind. He's encouraging. And so if he's like that with Corinth that has all these problems, what on earth are they doing in Galatia to where he's like this? Astonished, angry, incredulous. What could it be? But you get, you get the idea right away. Whatever happening, whatever is happening in Galatia, uh, it's very serious. In fact, it's the most serious problem Paul faces in the church. I want to show you what it is. Galatians 1, 6 to 8. Galatians 1, 6 to 8. He writes, I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. By the way, um, who's, who's the him who called you in the grace of Christ? Who is that? That's God the Father. So he's saying, I'm astonished you are so quickly deserting God. <laughs> That's a big deal, isn't it? I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So what's the problem? They're twisting the gospel. They're getting the gospel wrong. How serious is it? It's incredibly serious. Um, It's as if they're deserting God. And Paul says, whoever's pushing this um, let him face judgment. That's what be a curse means. Let him face judgment. You can think, whoa, is that, is, that, is that fair? Yeah, it's fair because when teachers mess with the gospel, they send people to judgment. So important. They're deserting God by turning to a different gospel. So we have questions, right, as we, as we come to this. We have questions. Okay, uh, what is then uh, a clear picture of the gospel so that we won't mess with it, so that we won't desert it? What's going on in this church that we can learn from? What is the gospel? How can we keep it clear? Then we're also gonna see from our passage today not only a clear picture of the gospel, but we're also going to see three reasons it's so essential. Three reasons it's so essential. So just to back up for a second, we've been going through pillars of the Reformation the last several weeks, and we're learning a teeny bit of Latin 
Uh, eternal glory to who, anybody who can remember the first one. What's our authority for life and doctrine? Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, right? And then we looked at um, how are we going to know we're pleasing to God? And we looked at Sola Christus, Christ alone. Last week we asked the question, how much help exactly do we need to make into the presence of God? And we saw Sola Gratia, grace alone. And today we're hitting the idea of Sola Fide, how do you get connected to the goodness of the gospel? Or what's, what's, the, uh, what's the way you receive the gospel? Sola fide, what does that mean? Faith alone. Faith alone. That's what we're looking at. And so as we, as, we, uh, as we have that in our minds, uh, clarity in the gospel, three reasons. Faith alone, sola fide, is so essential. Uh, I thought though it would be fun, at least fun for me, you can be the judge on how fun it is, uh, if we looked a little bit at the backstory in Galatians. So, Jesus came, Jesus of Nazareth, what ethnicity was he? He's a Jew. What's, what religion did he practice? First century Judaism. He went to synagogue um, every Saturday. Um, what what uh, happened to him on the eighth day? The Gospel of Luke tells us. He was circumcised. Who told the Jews to be circumcised? Uh, the, the, Moses did in the law, right? This is the sign that they belong to God's people. And out of all the ups and downs, ins and out, exiles back and forth, they clung to this. They clung to this. This is the sign that we belong to God. So Jesus comes. And the surprise of all surprises is that, yes, his first disciples are Jews, but very soon, masses and masses of Gentiles want to belong to him. Masses and masses of non-Jews want to follow him. And so you can anticipate the question that's going to come. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, you've got to put your faith in him. And then if you're a good, if you're a good Jewish boy, what else do you want? Well, you've got to put your faith in Jesus and... You've got to be circumcised. Hmm. So it led to this huge debate in the church. If you want to read about it, go back to the book of Acts, the story of the early church. You find this in Acts 15. I just want to touch on a few highlights there because it really fits into our passage in Galatians. So look at Acts 15.1. Acts 15.1. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Unless you are what? Circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, in context, they are not denying faith in Christ. They believe in Jesus Christ, but they're saying that the way to be saved is faith in Jesus Christ and circumcision. They're proclaiming salvation by Jesus plus. Jesus, yeah, and circumcision. And so there's this huge debate. And if we skip down to Acts 15, verse 7, what are we going to do with this? Acts 15, verse 7. Uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, tells us, After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Verse 9. And he made, what? No distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by, by what? Faith. Faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. So what was Peter's declarative answer in that council? What is it that makes you right with God? Faith. Faith and circumcision? No. Faith alone. Faith in Jesus or faith in Jesus plus something else? Nope. Just faith in Jesus. Salvation by Faith alone. Here's what's so fascinating. Here's what's so fascinating. In Acts 15, you've got Peter standing up very clearly and saying, faith alone. 
Now look at what happens to Peter in Galatians 2. The apostle who's proclaiming faith alone slips up and starts living Jesus plus. You've got to see this. Look at Galatians 2, verse 11. Galatians 2, 11. When Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul writing, of course, he says, I oppose him face to face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was what? Eating with the Gentiles. So just pause for a moment. That's faith alone. Gentiles, you're all in. You're in the body of Christ through faith in Jesus alone. And I'm eating with you because what brings us together? It's faith alone. It's not ethnicity or works of the law that brings us together. It's faith alone. Let's eat together. Table fellowship. But look at verse, the end of verse 12. So certain men came from James. He was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, these other religious leaders, he drew back and separated himself. Fearing the what? The circumcision party. Go ahead and put in there. Fearing the Jesus plus party. Jesus plus. Faith in Jesus and. Verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray. Guys, my friend, Barnabas is a hero. He is a hero. Christian. And even he fell off here on this issue. Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Verse 14, Paul says, But when I saw that their conduct was, and this is such a big phrase, not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, same same guy as Peter, I said to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Here's the question. Hey, Peter, is it Jesus? Is it faith alone? Or is it Jesus plus? Faith plus some work you have. Which one is it? You guys, the very heart of the gospel is at stake with this question. The very heart of the gospel is at stake with this question. Whether it's faith alone or Jesus plus. But you see how it it wasn't just a theological debate. It affected relationships. It affected relationships. So the plus they're talking about in this context is circumcision. It's adherence to the law. And so even if this Gentile brother or sister, by the way, in this context, I think I'm going to go most of us are Gentiles in here, right? This is big for us. (laughs) This is big for us. So for Peter, there's a Gentile who puts their faith in Jesus. But for Peter, the plus is Circumcision, in, in this context, it's circumcision. And so, if you have the plus, Jesus plus, he'll eat with you. But if you don't have the plus, if all you have is Jesus, that's not enough. I'm going to eat over here. And so you see already the insidious nature of this false gospel, Jesus plus, where we start becoming self-righteous. And instead of measuring our fellowship by, are you in Christ? By grace alone, through faith alone? Yes, then we're together. Where you move away from that and go to, oh, are you in Christ and you're a Republican? And you're a Democrat? And you're in this denomination? And you don't do that bad thing? And you support this cause in this different way? If you have Jesus plus... I'll eat with you. But if you just have Jesus and not my plus, I'm sitting over here. Oh my goodness. Do you see? Do you see what happens when we get the gospel wrong? That's why Paul is hammering down so hard. That's why he's hammering down so hard. We've got to get the gospel crystal clear. And, and, for, you, and, and for you and for me, it's a big warning because listen, if the apostle Peter and Barnabas, and possibly James, can screw this up. While proclaiming faith alone, they start living Jesus plus. If they can mess it up, guess who else can mess it up? <laughs> I can mess it up. You can mess it up. 
And so we've got to go back to hard clarity on how this works and preserve this beautiful truth, this beautiful truth of faith alone. So let's look at the clarity of it. And we'll, we'll jump now to the text we read earlier, Galatians 2. Let's just look at 16 right now. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but how? How are you justified? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So we've believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Didn't he just say the same thing like three times in a row? How come? He's trying to beat it in my thick skull. He's trying to jam it in. How do you get justified? Faith in Jesus Christ. I wanna unpack some church words with you. Uh, the, it's not mentioned here explicitly, but it is in the book, and it's, uh, it's implied. Righteousness, you heard that word? Righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? It means a lot of things. It's a very rich word. But it means to be acceptable, relationally acceptable. It means to be good enough. It means to uh, have achieved what's necessary to be righteous. And you know, in a way, Christian or not, I think everybody's looking for this, to make yourself good enough, to find significance. What are, what are some ways you're tempted to look for significance, righteousness, to be good enough? If you grew up in a church setting, you're like, I gotta I got be at church. Uh, if you had maybe a conservative family, I've got to please my parents. Uh, if you're in the modern world, it's I've got to make it in my career. I've got to be successful. Uh, if you watch too many movies, it's I have to have a mind-blowing romantic relationship. Seriously, how many people are like, I'm not enough unless I have somebody infatuated with me? They're looking for righteousness, to be enough. Or the heart is always longing for this. Ultimately, ultimately, we've got to receive our righteousness, good and made it good enough, acceptable. We've got to receive that from God alone. From God alone. He is pure beauty, holiness, goodness. Um, I, we need him to say, yes, acceptable. Yes, good enough. And here's my problem. Here's my problem. I know that before God, and even in all these other things that I make up, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't achieved it well enough. Um, Especially if we look at God's law, right? You can think just very clearly of the, the two main commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength every time. Have, are, you, are you close? You know, you think of uh, archery or something and there's the bullseye. Love God with everything. I'm telling you, my shot's like over here somewhere. I'm not close. Uh, the other command, love your neighbor as yourself. Every time, not just in bad things you don't do, but in good things that you should do. Ha have you done that? Every time. I'm not close. And so on my own, I would be unrighteous. I'm not enough, I haven't been good enough. And that's just the reality of it. So next, this word justified. Paul says we're justified by faith in Christ. Justified, what is that word? That's like a courtroom setting. It's a, it's a legal term. And so it's the idea that all the evidence of your life is opened up. And we have um, what you've done. We also have what you haven't done. We have uh, not just what you've done and haven't done, we have what you've said, which that one's really gonna be trouble for me. And not just what you've said in public when you knew people were listening. Dang. <laughs> it's what you said all the other times. It's not just gonna be what you've done and what you've said, it's gonna be your motive. Game's over. Uh, I'll never make it before a holy judge. I won't even make it based on my own self-invented standard. You ever been mad at somebody because they gossiped about you, whatever, and you were gonna pay them back on that? And then one day you wake up and the, and the light goes on. Oh, I've done that 12 million times. 
Or, that person lied to me. This is it. It's over. And the little, the little still small voice, oh, thou truth sayer, hast thou never lied? I don't keep my own standard. If God was like, fine, we'll just, we'll just melt this down. We'll grade on a curve. I'll just use your standard. I'm still going to get an F. Except God's not going to do that. He's going to use his standard and his word. The game's over. How am I going to be declared by the judge righteous? And here's the money. Faith in Christ. And what's this all-important word? Alone. 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 Faith in Christ And listen, the holy, perfect God of the universe, if you put your faith in Christ, if you look to Jesus and and your heart says, I don't have the good works I should have had, but Jesus did it perfectly. You look at Christ and you say, I have loads of sins, but Jesus paid for my sins on the cross. I'm looking to him. I have failed it, but Jesus rose from the dead. He's pleasing to the Father. And if your heart looks to him and you trust him and you rely on him and his life and his death and his resurrection, you say, Jesus saved me, the Father will look at you and say, perfect, righteous. He will, you will be justified because Christ is enough. And right here in these verses, it's faith in Jesus Christ. It's not justified by works. So what makes you, what gets you justified, right with God, perfectly acceptable to God? What gets that for you? Is it good works? No. Is it faith in Jesus plus some good works? No. What is it? Faith alone. Alone, sola fide, faith alone. I'll give you three reasons now why this is so essential. Three reasons faith alone is so essential. The first reason is this. Justification by faith alone is so important because works don't. Works don't. Works don't what? They don't work. Your works... Don't work. Go ahead and say that with me at the risk of being cheesy. Say, my works don't work. Thank you for confessing that. <laughs> Not enough to justify you. Galatians 2.16, I mean, he, can he say it more clearly? We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Later in 16, not by works of the law. And then one more time in the end of 16, by works of the law, no one will be justified. He's like a boxer. Oh, you want Jesus plus? Your plus is a minus. Your works don't work. It's not by works of the law. So you really, you have a choice here. Paul is laying out this dichotomy. You have a choice. If you want to be right with God, you have, you have, there's, there's two choices. Jesus. And that's all. You're relying on him or your works. And I can just imagine uh, the Clint Clint Eastwood look-alike angel saying, you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? (laughs) Are you going to stand before a holy God with your works? Uh, Paul makes this really clear, Galatians 5.2. Look at this, Galatians 5.2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, and the context here is as part of the what makes you justified. He's not saying circumcision in all times and places is evil. That's not it. It's they want circumcision to make themselves right with God. That's the context. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of what? No advantage to you. If you look to your works, you won't be getting help from Jesus. Ah! 
Christ will be of no advantage to you. Verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is what? Obligated to keep the whole law. If you want Jesus plus, Paul says, all you have is the plus. And your plus better be perfect. Do you see this? If you rely on what you've, Jesus plus your good works to make you right with God. Uh Uh-uh. Now it's just your plus. And this plus, what you felt so good about, it's a big minus. Because your works don't work. If you want to rely on your works, they're going to need to be perfect. I mean, have you, this is terrifying. Have you read the Bible's law on how we're supposed to live? Try on the Ten Commandments and just test yourself. And then, to, you know, keep going. Read next the Sermon on the Mount and ponder, love your enemy for a moment. And remember the times when other people were cruel to you and consider how you responded and ask yourself, have I always loved my enemy? (laughs) This is a terrible game we're playing. Then continue on. I mean, to be responsible to the law and have to say, oh, hey, I'm a good person. I went to church. I mean, my works don't work. It won't be enough. If you rely on Jesus plus, this is the huge part. If you rely on Jesus plus, Paul is saying, you lose the Jesus part and your plus better be perfect, which means your plus is a minus. Let's think about what we get when we do despair of our works and we get Christ's work. Martin Luther had this famous phrase. You guys, I have no idea. I don't know Latin, okay? I'm not gonna pretend I do. I have some people in my family who know a little bit of Latin. But look at what Luther said, and I I just wanna dwell on this for a little bit. It's talking about justification. Let's try to say it together. Are you ready? I don't know how to say it. Simul justice et peccator. Simul justice et peccator. Memorize it. Simul justice et peccator. Why? Simul. You can probably guess that one. What's that sound like? Simultaneously. Simultaneously, at the same time. Peccator means Sinner. You failed. You failed. You weren't enough. Uh, You rebelled. You're a criminal. Justice means justified. Justified. And this is the beauty of the gospel. When you trust Jesus Christ in all functionality, you're still you. I mean, no offense, y'all are beautiful people. You still sin. (laughs) Me too. And the longer I've been working at this Christian thing, hopefully the more holy and humble I'm becoming. And it only makes me wise enough to see more cracks and holes in my mind and heart. It was Paul who wrote in 2 Timothy, I'm the chief of sinners. And that's his last letter. The more God works in you, the more you see what you are without him. Don't you agree? And so to know I failed and simultaneously to be declared honored, treated like the greatest success in human history. To know I'm a criminal and to, and to hear the voice say, innocent, treated as if I had never done anything wrong. To know I've been a rebel and to hear the voice say, loved and embraced like I'd I'd never broken anything. That is what it's like to be a Christian. You are simultaneously a sinner and perfectly righteous because the righteousness you have is a passive alien righteousness. What does passive mean? It means you didn't do it. What does alien mean? 
It means it's not yours. When you trust Jesus, you have been given the works of someone else. The perfection of Jesus Christ. You've been given the perfection, the beauty of someone else. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you, you land in this sweet, sweet spot where you can be honest with yourself and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not enough. And then your works part of your heart goes, and that's why I can't, and oh, I've got to fix it, and no, I just, I'm not enough. And then in the sweet spot of the gospel, you're like, but in Jesus, I'm perfect in the sight of God. I'm loved completely. I'm accepted. I'm valued. I'm the honored failure. I'm the welcomed stranger. Oh. Reminds me of this verse. Paul puts it so clearly. I think this is on a slide. Forgive me if it's not. Romans 4.4. 4. Romans 4.4. 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as his gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. To the one who does not work, his faith is counted as righteousness. Why is justification by faith so essential? Because works don't work. That's why it's so essential. Your works don't work. Whose works work? Jesus' works work for you. The second reason justification by faith is so important. Let's look at verse 17 now. This is the, Paul always, this is the question Paul always gets when he preaches the gospel. Galatians 2.17. But if in, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? So this is how it goes, okay? When you're a moral person and you hear Paul say, justification by faith, period, then the questions start coming in like, are you telling me if I lived a horrible, horrible life and on my deathbed, if I honestly trusted Jesus Christ, that would be enough? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. It's too easy. It's too easy. Or they would say, are you telling me that just faith alone, all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future? What is this, the, the get out of jail jerk card? You know, get out of jail free. You're like, oh, I've got my past. You are a total, you, you are so mean to people. I've got my past. I'm forgiven. And, and some will say, that's why the church is a mess. They're like, hey, no sweat on sin. So let's go sin some more. Is that how this works? By the way, if you don't get that question, you're not preaching the gospel right. Paul gets it in Romans 6 too. If it doesn't sound like that's what we're saying, you're not preaching the gospel right. It should sound like that's what we're saying. Does the gospel get you complete and total forgiveness when you put a real faith in Jesus Christ, past, present, future? Yeah, it does. It does. How can that be when the cross was enough? That's how it can be. Tell Jesus that uh, he's taking sin lightly. No, he's, he's dying for sins. But, so, so we're not saying less, but we are saying more. Look now at verse 19. Paul says, for through the law, I what? I died to the law so that I might live to God. Look at verse 20. I have been, what? Crucified. What you see here is that faith alone gets you more than just forgiveness. Faith alone gets you more than just forgiveness. It gets you a new life with Jesus Christ. It gets you a new life with Jesus Christ. Now listen to these, how can Paul talk like this? Through the law, I, I died? You're like, Paul, you're writing us a letter. You don't sound dead. 
Verse 20, I have been crucified. How can this be? And, and are we supposed to talk this way? Is this, is this for you? If you trust Jesus, are you supposed to be able to talk this way? Then what's going on? Here's what's going on. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were unified to Jesus Christ. You were connected to Jesus Christ. And his death on the cross, that's your death in dying to the old life of self-centeredness, of pride. It was also dying to the law being over you, which is such a great idea. When you've trusted in Christ, you're dead to the law. It doesn't even stand over you anymore. You've already died for that. When Christ died for you on the cross, the punishment was already paid. There's no more, oh, I didn't keep the law, I'm going to be punished. It's already paid, it's already over. You're dead to the law. You're dead to the old life of selfishness, and now you've risen to something new. And Paul talks about it like this. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who what? Lives in me. So this answer to, hey, you got to get out of jail free card for sin, well, yeah, in a way I do, but there's another truth happening here, and that is my old life is dead, and I have a new life with Jesus. I have a new, I'm a new person through faith in Christ. Look at how he finishes verse 20. The life I now live in the flesh, and he just means his body, I live by faith in the Son of God, Still living by faith. And look at these beautiful phrases. By faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me. Now couldn't he have said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me? Couldn't he have said present tense? Sure. Why did he say past tense? Why did he say, I live by faith in the Son of God, specifically faith in a past event who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, now you know what he's thinking of. What does Paul continually live with faith in? The cross. He continually dwells on Jesus' love for him on the cross. And that is this, it, it changes the motivation it changes the motivation because simultaneously you're broken and amazed by Jesus' kindness for you. You're broken because you realize what you deserve. And you're amazed because he's there taking it for you. And his love for you is seen in that moment. And when you treasure that about Jesus, which I assume faith in Christ would treasure, when you treasure that about him, you tell me, does that make you want to keep practicing sin? When you're amazed by the love of Jesus for you on the cross, does that make you want to go, hey, get out of jail free card, let's go sin? It makes you want to burn the get out of jail free card. Because, come on, you know how this works. Have you ever fallen in love before? What do you want to do when you fall in love? You want to please that person. That's what you want to do. You're thinking about them. And, and who they are and what they want matters deeply to you. And when you really love them, the rest of the world can burn as long as you please that person. Do you not see the love of Jesus for you on the cross? And does your heart not go, oh, I love you, Jesus, for that? And if your heart does that through faith, then guess what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to please him. Listen, not perfectly. That's not what I'm talking about. Not every time. Even Peter couldn't keep that up, right? But as a general rule, that's your heart. Because faith gets you more than just forgiveness. It gets you a new life with a new heart. Uh, William Cowper was an old hymn writer, and this one phrase he has in one of these songs just puts it just right. Look at this. To see the law by Christ fulfilled to hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. 
He's saying before I encountered Christ's love on the cross, the law was just this, oh, you gotta do this, like a slave master, I didn't wanna do it, get it off me. But now that I've seen the love of God for me in Christ, I wanna please him, I love him. Do you see why faith alone is so important? First reason, faith alone is so important because works don't, they don't work. You wanna be righteous, faith alone in Christ, that's your choice. Second reason faith alone is so important, it doesn't just get you forgiveness, it gets you a new life with Jesus. Last one, third, justification by faith alone is so important because it enables you to give others their due. Another way to say it is it enables you to love like you should. I'm thinking of this in two ways. Um, and we've referenced this already. What are the main two commands from the Lord? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor, right? Can you even do this without justification by faith? Hmm. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, Paul says, Galatians 2, 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Now his main point here is, I think, nearly humorous. If you could save yourself by your good works, why in heaven's name did Jesus die on a cross? Think about that. Can you imagine being next to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross and saying, hey, what are, you, what are you doing right now? And him saying, well, I knew you guys could save yourselves. I just wanted to give you a little boost. Just wanted to give you a pump you up. That's why I'm being tortured on a cross. And you'd be like, I don't know if that was worth it. You ask Jesus what he's doing on a cross and he says something like this. He screams it out. It is is finished. He didn't die on a cross to give you a boost. He died on a cross to save you totally and completely by grace through faith alone, which means if your salvation is totally in and on and through him, oh, what should your heart be doing when you think about Jesus? Just love exaltation, praise, devotion. I mean, doesn't your heart ring out as you think about it, how beautiful he is, how kind he is in his power, his humility, his love to give himself up for you like this. If you have justification by Jesus plus, who gets the glory? Well, there's some percentage thing in here. Jesus gave me 80%. And I did the 20. Yeah. And who are you praising for your goodness? I did the 20. And it especially gets rich if you only did like 11% and I did 20. I got you by 9%. Come on, that's a joke. Jesus saved you fully, which means your boast, your hope, your passion is for him. Justification by faith is essential because when you see that, you're gonna love Jesus like you never would have if you thought it was Jesus plus. Second reason it's essential. Hey, we saw this already. If you're saved by Jesus plus, then when somebody else doesn't have your plus, they just have Jesus, how are you going to treat them? You're going to demean them. The world is full of this. I remember several years ago, um, some of you know Majid, an Egyptian pastor. He grew up Presbyterian. And there was a lady here, total guest. I don't know if any of you know her or not. Let's pretend like you don't. And she asked about Majid. And uh, what's his background? Uh, Presbyterian, I think. He's almost as good as us. What? That's called Jesus Plus. Jesus Plus uh, CRC. Set that one on fire, okay? 
Jesus plus Presbyterian, Jesus plus Baptist, Jesus plus, light them all up. Uh, what is it for you? What's your plus that you tend to rely on? You really have to think about this. Don't, don't let your heart get away with, oh, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Peter did it. You do it. I do it. It's the human heart. It's natural. It's where we go. We want to boast in ourselves. It's Jesus plus, for, some, for a lot of Christians in America right now, it's Jesus plus politics, one side or the other. If you're Jesus plus progressive or Jesus plus conservative, oh, okay, now, now you're in. But if, if you don't, I'm not eating with you. Or Jesus plus some social movement or cause. Or Jesus plus some, listen, settle the matter right now. Do you get justified by Jesus plus or by faith alone in Jesus alone? It's faith alone. Okay, that's gonna enable you to love Jesus like you never would have. It's also gonna enable you to love your neighbor like you never would have. Love your brother and sister specifically like you never would have. Because if somebody says, I trust Jesus, and you know you are a child of God and made righteous by faith alone, and that's it, then if somebody else has faith alone, so if you're fully in by faith alone, and you are, and they have faith alone, what else is that, what does that mean about them? They're fully in, which means how should you treat them? Fully in. Do you know you can be saved by faith alone without having perfect theology? You better hope you can. <laughs> Every time I'm like, boy, I was an idiot. I can't believe I believed that stuff five years ago. I wonder what I believe now I'll be regretting later. Oh, if they don't believe exactly this theological thing like me, they're out. Paul would write Galatians to that church. You guys hear what I'm saying, right? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't parse through what we believe or what scripture says about things. They're very, very important. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a conviction about how to live. It doesn't mean we never confront one another according to God's word. Of course not. Of course not. But when we're talking about justification and what gets you right with God, the end of the story is faith alone. And that will enable, when you, when you believe that first about yourself, simultaneously a just and a sinner, you'll have so much more room in your heart to love other people who are simultaneously just and a sinner and will be more gracious than ever before. So let's wrap this up. Have you trusted Jesus? Gotta ask that question. Don't rely on your works. Trust Jesus. Second question, what's your plus? What do you tend to be like, oh, first of all, your plus before God. I know God would love me if I could actually finally do this. I've got a few of those. I'm trying to kick them down. What's your plus? What's your plus for others? Oh, if they would just, they would mm, recognize it. Third, have you tasted this new identity? Can, are you getting closer where you could say with Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. That's a hard one for me. You've got to, you've got to meditate on that. You've got to, what does it mean to live by faith in the Son of God who loved you, dwelling on his love for you in the cross? And the last question is, is where are you withholding love? Where are you withholding love from somebody who doesn't have a plus? Where is that? And it's in that last idea I want to remind us. We've looked at this before, haven't we? It's justification by faith nearly pushes us into this. A culture of invitation. Isn't God drawing people into his family? Trust my son and you're in. And we want to glorify that by being like that in the way he calls us to be. A culture of invitation, proclaiming the gospel whenever we can to those who don't know it and inviting people into God's family. So we've been looking at just a way to do this. Um, I hope you've tried it. You can ask somebody, do you have a local church you attend regularly? If they do, what do, they, what do you say? High five, praise the Lord. If they're like, no, invite them. Invite them to church. Culture of invitation, invite them. Second step, well, who knows what they'll say when you ask them that question. But they'll start telling you their story maybe, if there's time. They'll tell you their story. Maybe it'll be a train wreck story. I went to church once and they were all horrible. Listen, apologize, care. Their story matters. But guess what you got, might get to do too? 
Tell your story. Can I, show, can I tell you what, how I deal with that, what this means for me? And as you're telling your story, boy, certainly you're gonna get to where you can share the gospel. Share the gospel. Talk about the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done. Culture of invitation. And then we'll just wrap that up one more time because maybe, maybe it'll work one day. You'll be shocked, right? Oh my goodness, they came to church. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> uh, Keep it going, a culture of invitation. We want to be a people where uh, we're not just collecting scalps, right, for our belt. I had 18 people come to church. Um, We want to be people who are constantly inviting one another into one another's lives. We're family through Christ. We should have that kind of feel here. We're open to one another, welcoming one another. And doesn't Sola Fide push us into this? God saves us, brings us in through faith alone. Boy, let's, let's proclaim that gospel. Let's welcome other people in as God has welcomed us. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you so much praise and honor that we are saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone. And so we just give you all the glory. We give you all the glory, Lord. What could we do without you? We were lost. What could we do without you? And you've come to us and shown us who you are and your perfect life, Jesus, and your atoning death and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, you're enough. You're enough, and I don't need a plus. We don't need a plus to be right with God. Jesus is alone. So give us that faith, Lord, that sweet faith where uh, we know we have you, that faith where we wanna live a new life in you, and that faith where we wanna love you and love our neighbor the way you want us to do it. Uh, We pray this for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.